You know, we're fortunate enough to be joined by Sebastian Martinez Hickey. Now, he is a research assistant at the Economic Policy Institute. Uh, you know, the letters EPI might be used in this conversation, but know that when we're talking about it. It's the Economic Policy Institute, and Sebastian's with us right now. Sebastian, good to have you with us here on News and Views. Hi, Joel. Thanks for having me. I think let's let's begin here, if you don't mind. Tell people what the Economic Policy Institute is. Yeah, the Economic Policy Institute is a think tank that focuses on um, the economics of working people in the United States. We do a lot of research on the minimum wage, on unions, and other labor policies that can benefit working people. And, and that's why we called you. Uh, we wanted to talk to you about this because in the upper Midwest here, there doesn't, uh, and short of Minnesota, I think that in fairness to Minnesota, that, that we shouldn't lump them in with this, but th there just doesn't seem to be any care over whether or not uh, people are, are getting a raise if they make minimum wage. And I know that this is something that you've, you've been working on. I, I've seen numbers like 5 billion in pay boost, 8.4 million workers. There, there's an assumption out there that no one works for minimum wage anymore. Is that true, Sebastian? Um, no, it's not true. I think the reason that that perception exists is because people think, when they think of the minimum wage, they only think about the federal minimum wage, which is still stuck at $7.25 an hour. But the reality is that many states have minimum wages above that level in recognition that that level is far too low and is basically a poverty wage anywhere in the United States. So a lot of states have taken action. Um, on January 1st, 22 states increased their state minimum wages in addition to 38 cities and counties that have minimum wages above and beyond uh, their state's minimum wage. Uh, so a lot of states have taken action those states are all over the country. They include big urban coastal states like New York and California, but they also include more rural states like Nebraska and South Dakota. I want to I want to put this out there so people know because this is the the individuals that are listening to you right now, Sebastian. You're, you're being heard in Minnesota, and Montana, and South Dakota, and North Dakota, and, and when you go through these these areas, Minnesota. Uh, from 8.42 to 8.63 for small employers, uh, uh, $10.33 to $10.59 for large employers. Montana, you know, a red state, uh, went from 9.20 to 9.95. South Dakota, no one's ever going to accuse South Dakota of being this liberal state. Uh, South Dakota, 9.95 uh, dollars to 10.80. North Dakota, nothing, nothing. North Dakota is at 7.25. Um, Sebastian, what have you found out about the states where it's nothing? What, what does that mean to the economy? Well, I won't, I won't speak on the exact economic impacts beyond the fact that, you know, $7.25 to any reasonable person is far too low to make a living. Um, at EPI, we have a tool that we call the Family Budget Calculator, which tries to estimate uh, the amount of money that a family needs for modest, modest but adequate living uh, for households of different sizes. And there's no county in the country where you can live off of $15 an hour, uh, much less $7.25 an hour. So that means that you're leaving workers vulnerable to uh, extremely low wages. It means that they can't cover their expenses. 
uh, and that makes them more vulnerable to exploitation because obviously you need a job uh, to survive. So that's one of the consequences of having such a low minimum wage. Um, yeah. So w- when you when you look at it, a lot of people are going to say, Sebastian, the people that have these minimum wage jobs are two groups of people. They're, they're young people that are just getting started in their part-time jobs or two you know, they're individuals that get a lower wage and they actually live off tips. And many times we don't understand how much they make in tips. Your answer to them is? Yeah, a couple of different things. One, in our analysis of the workers that are benefiting from the increases that happened on January 1st, uh, more than half of those workers are older than 24 years old. So these are not just high schoolers with part-time jobs. Uh, In fact, most of the workers that are getting an increase are full-time workers. So these are ordinary working people. Uh, They disproportionately tend to be women. They disproportionately tend to be uh, black and Hispanic workers across the country. But they're just ordinary working people, and these are the jobs that are available to them. And they have to make do with this, with the jobs that are available to them. Um, Your second point about tipped workers, so the... The tipped minimum wage is a carve-out in our minimum wage legislation that is pretty harmful to tipped workers. The the current tipped minimum stays at $2.13 an hour, which means that that's the base pay that someone is legally allowed to pay uh, a bartender or another tipped occupation. That has measurable harm for workers. So we can compare, take bartenders, for example. We can compare bartenders in states that use the federal tipped minimum. Uh, to states that have abolished the tip minimum. And we know that those bartenders in the federal tips minimum states have higher rates of poverty. Um, So it it, it has real consequences for workers. And that's why a lot of states have taken action to uh, abolish the tip minimum. So um, when you look at this, Sebastian, and and you look at the states that that have done uh, something proactive when it comes to making sure these low-end uh, earners actually can succeed at life, can have a chance. What do you see economically in their states? Does it set their states back, for example, economically? Does it? How does it affect their state in a way where people would claim the state I live in, which is still at $7.25, uh, has a huge economic advantage because we don't raise minimum wage? Yeah, um, that's a great question. And this is one of the most investigated issues in economic research. And the best research that we have consistently shows that there are really no uh, negative uh, employment effects from raising the minimum wage. So, you know, critics of the minimum wage will say that when you raise the minimum wage, it uh, increases costs for businesses too much and it forces them to lay off workers. And it actually is worse for the, the low wage workers that you're intending to help. That is not the case. Uh, There's a couple of reasons for that. They're basically channels through which the economy and businesses are able to adjust to higher minimum wages. Um, They increase costs a little bit. Uh, The workers themselves, when they get more money, they spend that money in the economy, in the local economy, because we know that low-wage workers tend to spend much more of their income than, for example, high-income workers who save a lot more of their money. and there's a, dis, a, a reallocation of workers from uh, businesses that struggle with the new minimum wage to ones that still succeed at the, the higher minimum wage. So 
there's not really any evidence that the minimum wage hurts the economy of the places that increase it. In fact, it seems to benefit them, and it certainly helps the low-wage workers that are receiving pay increases. Well, what's your answer? And Sebastian Martinez-Hickey is our guest. He's a research assistant at the Economic Policy Institute, or I, I can start using EPI, I guess. Uh, Sebastian, what's your answer to the individuals who say, go ahead and raise the minimum wage? All that's going to do is raise the, the cost of goods and services. Um. <clears throat> When you raise the minimum wage, the evidence shows that uh, costs of some goods will increase, particularly things, uh, maybe some restaurants will increase costs a little bit because that's an industry where there's a high concentration of of low-wage labor. But in terms of the overall economy, there's almost no way, there is no way that uh, low-wage labor is going to cause something like widespread inflation from increasing. To be frank, when we're talking about low-wage workers, that is simply not enough money in the economy. It's not enough of business costs to significantly affect prices broadly in the economy. I know that your 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 conversation here, the research that I looked at, uh, points out that the the increase account for five billion dollars, which you know everybody sees a number with a B and they think big. Five billion is such a small part. And so I understand it in pay boost for an estimated 8.4 million workers. So to me, if people want to look at sheer economics, number one, they got to ask themselves whether they could live off 725, uh, you know, fairness. I mean, it, I, I'm speaking now, not, I'm going to speak outside of what you do, the research side of this, but I want to talk about just the decency side of it. You know, can you look an employee in the eye that you're only paying seven twenty-five an hour? I mean, for was that ever part of the research? What businesses' reaction was to their dedication to their employees? Well, one way that uh, the minimum wage contributes to a better economy overall when you increase it is that uh, workers tend to stick around at their businesses longer. You have less turnover because. People are more satisfied in their jobs. They know that they're getting paid more money, and so they're less likely to be constantly on the job hunt looking for uh, better alternatives. Um, so that's one one component of that. Uh, in recent years, we've actually experienced rapid wage growth for low-wage workers. We have a really low unemployment rate that forces worker forces employers to compete over low-wage workers and uh, raise wages. That is a good thing. Um, basically a once-in-a-lifetime experience and opportunity. And so it's really important that states and localities take action now uh, and lock in those gains for low-wage workers so that we can maintain uh, a fairer economy. Uh, Somebody uh, texted in and said when Minnesota raised the wages for food services, they claimed it would shut down restaurants. Uh, and this individual says, I don't think it happened. And he's right. It didn't happen. When when you – when you look at the the competition from state to state, quite frankly, uh, we here in North Dakota, where I live, uh, are are looking for workers everywhere. We're looking for workers, and you see the states next to you pay those workers more. I mean, can can you blame a worker whatsoever for saying, "Look, I can't make it in that state"? No, of course not. Um, and I think a lot of people are cognizant of 
the fact that they need to increase the minimum wage. And earlier in the, in the segment, I talked about how you know it's not just super blue states or really urban coastal states that have increased their minimum wage. Um, one one aspect of this is uh, you have to talk about preemption. So a lot of states prevent cities and localities from increasing their minimum wage. Currently, North Dakota is one of those states, and those states tend to be concentrated in the, the South and the Midwest. And you really have to think about whether that's fair uh, or economically just. Basically, that prevents a city, any sort of community, from looking at their local economy and saying, we want to make it more fair, or we want to boost the wages for low-wage workers. And they're prevented from doing that by state governments that don't necessarily represent those communities. Did you, as you look at this part of your research, did you look at a state like North Dakota, for example, and actually get down to how many workers are making minimum wage in a specific state? Uh, I did not look at North Dakota in particular. Um, Because of recent wage growth, you're going to find very few workers that actually earn exactly $7.25. The workers that are at that level are most likely, uh, to be honest, some of the most vulnerable workers in our economy that uh, maybe because of where they live geographically or because of disability or another factor uh, can't find alternatives, uh, other employment alternatives. But in the U.S. overall, there are still more than 17 million workers who earn less than $15 an hour. And again, uh, $15 an hour is a figure that is not economically secure in any county in the United States. Yeah. Well, and and you hit something there that deserves more discussion, and that is the fact that many of these people that are 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 making that wage uh, in some level are I think being abused because of their disabilities. Uh because of their ability to to have their employer just say, "Look, he's lucky to even have a job." And uh and that's not the right way to be a person. It just isn't. Uh, Sebastian, good to visit with you. Thanks for your time, sir. Thank you so much for the opportunity. You bet. Have a good day. Sebastian Martinez Hickey, he is a research assistant with the Economic Policy Institute.